delay Great. too long. Can't so wait. We are going to get started, and so stay tuned. Hello and welcome. I am Rebecca Matthias, Intuitive Business and Success Coach, and you are listening to the Legendary Leadership Radio Show, where women in business from all over the globe gather each week to come together and get accountability and guidance to get more done in a feminine way. You truly are the pioneers that are leading the way on a new path of getting it done like a woman, where there is success, accomplishment, increased self confidence, and project completion. So get ready to say goodbye to looming open-ended projects that drain your energy and take a stand for stepping into your own definition of success and accomplishment. And I am so excited to be here with you today. We have our very first Legendary Leadership guest. And I started this weekly show to support you, to motivate you, and to educate you as to what actions and mindset you need in order to create the success you deserve so that you can live your best life inspiring and empowering others. And these shows are a way for me to give back. They speak most near and dear to my passion of supporting and empowering women making a difference in the world through their business. And you can connect with me at RebeccaMatthias.com and join the Legendary Leadership Facebook group at Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Legendary Leadership. So welcome to the call today. We have a very special guest. TV veteran Natalie Michelle brings her experience and expertise as a development executive, executive producer, longtime business owner, and successful entrepreneur to you and your business. Whether you are looking to develop yourself as an on-air expert, position your brand for the media, or develop and sell your TV show, Natalie delivers hard-to-find information about media access in an engaging and easy-to-understand way. With a trustworthy track record that includes the highest-rated talk show in history, The Oprah Winfrey Show, dare we need to have a last name for her anymore, right? And also <laughs> Inside Edition, the longest-running news magazine show ever, Natalie navigates you through the elusive and exclusive world of television. And she is an industry expert and consults with clients all over the globe on all aspects of the media, including non-scripted, show development, and pitching, branding yourself for the media. She is currently taking on new clients, which is so exciting. And you can find more about Natalie at NatalieMachal.com, and that is spelled N-A-T-A-L-I-E-M-A-S-H-A-A-L.com. And I want to also encourage and invite you to check her out on Facebook because she has a brand new, beautiful fan page at facebook.com forward slash Natalie Michelle. Again, that's spelled N-A-T-A-L-I-E-M-A-S-H-A-A-L. So today we will be discussing how to leverage media opportunities and become an on-air expert to grow your business success. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's so nice to be here. Yes, thank you for coming. I'm just so excited. I've been waiting for a whole month since you first emailed me, me too, about me too. coming on the show. It was so, such a great opportunity to be able to connect with someone who has the same kind of visions that I do for women. 
Absolutely, yes. All about empowering women and, and sharing the wealth and encouraging people to really step into a life that they dream and desire, and especially for women to not stay in that place of not wanting to be visible. That's something that we talk about here in the radio show. For people to really step forward, as scary as that can feel, and be visible. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about visibility and what are the first steps for someone who's, who's totally terrified to even sometimes just ask a question on this radio show and going from that place all the way into mainstream media where they're able to really leverage the media to grow their business in a, in a very quick way. Sure. Well, the first step is really very basic. It's you know, and it's a pretty obvious answer, and that's confidence. And what do I mean by that? People throw that around a lot, the idea of confidence. But the idea of becoming your own expert in your own field should be comforting to you because you're speaking about something you actually know about. And mm -hmm. you're not really required to memorize lines like, you know, somebody, like an actor might on a television show, and you're not required to speak about something that you, that you don't know about. You're really just answering questions off the top of your tongue about what you know innately from your experience. And you know, does that mean that you should go on to a, a show cold? No, definitely not. You know, you definitely need some preparation. And you know, in fact, I always, um, I always preach to over-prepare um, and then just let it roll. That's my whole concept. You know, over-prepare, then let it roll. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but you really do need to kind of get over the idea of what it might be like and just do it. Because we all know, you know, it, the, in Fear stands your greatest room for growth, mm -hmm. and because, because then you're challenging yourself. That, and those are yes. the areas that you're not comfortable are ways to help you grow, and that can only bring good things coming your way when you grow, obviously. And so, um, yeah, so that's you know that's really the calming denominating factor in all of that should be I know what I'm talking about. And let me share that with the world. And, you know, Rebecca, the best thing about it is that if you go into any kind of an interview or, you know, television, radio, um, even, you know, with a reporter, if you go into it understanding that you are bringing your knowledge and you're sharing that with the world and doing something great, and you're, that's, what you're, that's what you're adding. That's the value you're mm -hmm. adding and putting out there into the world. It's coming from a whole different place. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I've used in the speaking platform and also when I was in the media as, as well is you can only feel one emotion at a time. And so instead of when you're in fear, you're making it about you. And when you move into gratitude, you're making it about the people that you're there to serve. And it can Definitely. radically shift things in an instant. Absolutely. Your perspective on it is everything. It's, it's really mm -hmm. everything. And, you know, yeah. even if it doesn't go exactly the way you would want it to the first time, I'm certain that Diane Sawyer, when she conducted her first interview, <laughs> you know, wasn't perfect her first time out. So, you know, everybody, yeah. whether you're interviewing or being interviewed, you know, there's room for growth, and that's why people start locally. Yes, absolutely. And I think people, you know, most successful entrepreneurs that I've interviewed over the years and collaborated with and that sort of thing, they all talk about they've learned more from their challenges than from their successes. Definitely. Definitely. And that's, that's again, the common denominator in all successful people is that they failed or they've had to struggle at one point in their career. And so there's something to definitely be said about that. 
Absolutely. So I want to talk to you about this because we briefly touched on this when we were chatting before the actual radio show. You said if you are a natural speaker, you might not necessarily be as good on the media. So can you tell us, for those who either have never been in the media or they have done plenty of speaking engagements, what do they need to do in order to be okay on the media? Because that's really a golden opportunity that you want to take the fullest advantage of. Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, definitely, like we were just speaking about, confidence is very important when you're going in it, into any interview. But there is one different factor about television that everybody should really understand. Even if you are a very well-seasoned speaker and you're comfortable speaking in front of groups or crowds, the world of television is a whole nother beast. And it's very difficult to really understand until you do it, when you have lights in your face, when you have um, you know, a countdown, when you're in and out and have to kind of wrap up a thought in the next five seconds, when you, when you get a signal for five seconds left. Um, so all those, all those kinds of things, you know, it's very important for anybody who's been a, a speaker before to kind of realize, hmm, let me just, if I don't have any television training, let me seek out a little bit of media training so that I'm prepared and so that my brand and my personal branding is kind of all in line and I'm not hurting my brand, I'm only helping it. And it can really only help. You, you know, people who are comfortable speaking, usually the learning curve is very small, but it is different and there is lingo that one should know, um, you know, even speaking in a sound bite. And if you don't know what a sound bite is, you, before you do TV, you got to know. Soundbite is, you know, being able to speak um, very succinctly in, in cuttable phrases so that um, just maybe little brief seconds can be used, you know, like five to ten seconds can be used either to promote something or um, or can repeat or be quoted um, okay. where, you know, a newspaper or magazine can pick it up and, and re-quote that. These days I think we call it tweetable. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was just going to say yeah, that. So, that's right. Something that's tweetable is the same idea as a sound bite, but it's spoken instead of written. Yeah, so that's just absolutely. one example. True. Yeah. Well, one of the tweetables you gave us the other day was, "You don't only gain ten pounds on camera; your actions gain ten pounds." And I would almost <laughs> think to differ that your actions gain more than ten pounds. So tell us it's, what we need to do to maintain our actions and not gain any weight in the action department. It's so true. You know, when you're a speaker. For example, just again to go back to the speaker thing, when you're comfortable speaking in front of an audience, it's always looked upon very favorably to use animation, to be able to emphasize a point, to use, let's say, your hands to show people, you know, through your actions, speak your passion. You know, not necessarily true on television either. Everything is spoken through your words and your actions, and they have to be controlled. And when I say controlled, they have to be practiced and controlled in a way that comes naturally, not so that it feels orchestrated or inauthentic. So mm -hmm. one, you know, and there are there are many different um, things to consider. How quickly one speaks. How do you have an accent? How much do you enunciate? Um, from a nonverbal standpoint, you know, do you blink a lot? Or do you make a funny face every time somebody asks you a question? Or do you... Um, do you sit in a way where you, you know, your arms are crossed? You don't even realize it. Things like that are nonverbal cues that we as viewers pick up on and make judgments about very quickly. And you might not be self-aware enough 
to know that you do any of these things or more. Um, and so um, that's all part of, you know, etiquette training, media training. It's all part of the same thing of just kind of being, a, um, having someone or something analyze you and um, be aware of your strengths, play upon them, and then learn how to control your weaknesses so that it doesn't play mm-hmm. against you. And it's almost kind of like, I always say it's about neutralizing those things so that it doesn't draw attention. For example, if you do blink a lot, you're not trying to not blink a lot so that people like you more. You're trying to not blink a lot so they're not looking at your blinking and focusing on that instead of listening to your message. That's the whole point. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And then I would be curious to know, because of the modern day, what part of everyone seems to have this particular issue, and I call it the you-know-like-um syndrome. Yes. (laughs) That can become a bit distracting as well. How important do you believe that it is for someone to learn how to not speak with those words in their verbiage? It's massively important, and the only way you get over that is with practice. And that Mm -hmm. means, you know, almost feeling ridiculous and putting yourself even if it's by yourself, in front of a video recorder or even your computer now. These days you can just, you know, video yourself on a computer and um, and see what you look like. Now, you know, an um here and there, not terrible because it helps add to the fact that you're speaking and having things roll off your tongue. But you don't want it to be excessive where people feel like they can't follow you or you're breaking a thought up. Because every time you say um, it it um, it says to the as I just said um it says to the viewer <laughs> example that I, right exactly that I don't know what I'm talking about and I have to fish for the information even if you don't even if that's not right. true it it appears to the viewer that you don't know your stuff and the best way to know your stuff is really to practice it even if you do know your stuff and so mm-hmm. that's that's you know the essence of knowing how to speak. There are also certain things that people, certain guidelines that people like to do when someone's asked a question, it, certain things like it's best to you know, wait a nanosecond before answering because it only really takes your mind that long to collect your thoughts and then speak them. And they always mm-hmm. come out, if you try it, you'll see that your thoughts come out so much more succinctly when you take a brief moment after the reporter or interviewer has asked you a question, then if you just jump right into the answer thinking, I have to answer immediately. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So well, little, I know everyone, yeah, that's a beautiful tip, just waiting a nanosecond before speaking. And actually what, when you were talking about that, what it made me think of was in every relationship that's probably going to serve you because it will give you that moment to collect your thoughts and recognize what you're getting ready to say and perhaps save you from saying something that you might not have wanted to say more so in a relationship than perhaps in the media, but a great technique to implement into your life. I know our, yeah, absolutely. Now I know our listeners and I myself am definitely excited to hear more basic and concrete information on how to get media coverage how to get into the media, where do you even start if you've never been there. But before we do that, I just want to give our viewers and our listeners a little bit of a recap on the golden nuggets or the tweetables, if you will. So confidence, you know, become your own expert in your own field and over-prepare and then let it roll. 
get over your fear and what it might be like and do it. So your fear is typically more scary than the actual event itself. And also through your actions, speak your passions. And, you know, the last golden nugget here, wait a nanosecond before speaking. Thoughts come out more succinctly. So beautiful, beautiful tips here. So as far as the basic sort of media 101 to a certain degree, I personally know the power of getting into the media, being on radio shows, being on um, newscasts and that sort of thing. What does one need to do to prepare, and then what does one need to do to even get those kinds of exposures? And and third, if you could share with us what the impact on someone's business would be. Sure. Well, I'm actually going to start there, if that's okay, because the impact, Excellent. as you would even know, Rebecca, is massive. To be able to reach that kind of audience in a much more personal way than social media does. Mm-hmm. And although I think that nothing, to take nothing away from social media, it's a great way to access so many people. But in my opinion, it's a little bit impersonal. Um, mm-hmm. You don't get to hear the tonality in someone's voice. You don't get to um, see uh, how someone is conveying a message in their eyes and from their gut and in their heart. And that is really what sells people on anything. Mm-hmm. That authenticity piece. That right, and you can't. It's very difficult to grab. There's a fine line on social media between you know promotion and authenticity. You know, we're all trying to, um, you know, organically gain a tribe, and to gain that, we're we're all self-promoting and we're all you know helping each other promote each other. But it it it, it in essence it feels inorganic when. Mm-hmm. You present how you how much passion you feel about whatever it is that you do or believe in or stand for or your business or your service or yourself. It is much more easily uh, trusted when they can read all those gestures that I was talking about before—the nonverbal and the verbal gestures—and you can speak and under you know and, and really feel somebody. That's so that's you know, mm-hmm. and that's when that's when sales fly. That's when sales come through the roof because people buy from people. Mm-hmm. And the way to best, you know, get somebody's trust is by showing how authentic you are and how, what better way than to, you know, put you, put your neck out there and be vulnerable. That's how you're mm-hmm. gonna gain, you know, a larger clientele. So, um starting with that, but you know, you're right. Um here's the thing about media. And it's it's such it's such a funny thing because people find it to be this like this elusive club, as I use on my website, mm-hmm. this phrase elusive and exclusive. And you know what? It is. <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. Why is it elusive and exclusive? Because you, you know, the everyday man, let's say, or the everyday entrepreneur, allow it to be. You can be a part, you know, I, I use the phrase um, sometimes for people to make them better understand. If you want, do you want to hang with the cool kids? Go hang with the cool kids. You're not in high school anymore. You know, mm-hmm. let's. How do you get into the media? You you start like anything else. Um, the first thing to do really is to gain the confidence yourself because it, it's really um, not to beat a dead horse here, but you really have to again self evaluate and make sure that you're ready. What does that mm-hmm. mean? That means that whatever you are uh, promoting or selling or um, or kind of putting out into the world, you better believe in it 
organically because we're way too evolved as a community these days. And mm-hmm. we know the difference between somebody who's preaching something they believe in and something mm-hmm. that they're pushing. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. The second thing, um, as far as actually accessing the media, we're not all going to be on the Today Show tomorrow. You know, that's, like, in, like everyone else, you're not going to be a CEO of a company when you first graduate. Well, maybe these days you are. <laughs> People are right. leaving school and, right, and becoming CEOs out of nowhere. But I, th- I do think that you need um, to start locally. And that means with mm-hmm. local, um, local television, whether that be news or um, any other kind of show that's produced locally. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, news, new, not only news, um, magazines and local journals are always looking for bloggers and are also looking for information. Everybody needs content. This is something that I always mm-hmm. remind people is that your information is very valuable to people. You don't have to uh, be thankful and great, I mean, you should be grateful and thankful that if somebody puts you on their show or needs you or wants to quote you, but they need your information as much as you need their exposure. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, remember that it's it's equal. Um, you're giving and you're getting at the same time. Everybody's giving, every, win-win. Everybody's giving, everybody's getting. Because they, they need to be able to find a reliable source. And once you establish yourself as that, there's no reason why your quote wouldn't be any less valuable than somebody else's quote. So, mm-hmm. but you have to you have to put yourself out there and you have to be able to be found. How do you do that? I mean, there are many ways to do that. The first thing really is to make sure that people can find you um, so that if you're going to start doing a little bit of PR here and there, once, let's say, you're quoted in a newspaper article, if somebody Googles you, what do they find? That's mm-hmm. something to consider. And so make sure that you do certain things, like buy your domain name, your your actual name, like nataliemichal.com. Buy it. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to use it right now, that's fine. It costs 10 bucks. Put it totally, in your pocket yeah. before somebody else does. And um, and build, you know, I would build a website. If you want to become an expert, you need a credible website so that people know that you mean business. You're not just fooling around with this. You're not just trying. You're a professional, and this is part of mm-hmm. what you do. And like any other, like any other site, if you were uh, building children's playground equipment, you would have a website and you would show people you mean business and this is how I do it and here's the information you'll want to know about me. Same thing. People tend to, especially women, tend to shy away from that because they don't want to self-promote. No one's asking you to inorganically self-promote. You're just putting out there what you know and what you do and you don't have to apologize for that. Absolutely. And, yeah, you don't have to apologize for that. So um, the website's important. There are certain things that eventually you'll need to build and that's, you know, a real and um, mm-hmm. that comes with time. That's what that comes with getting on a local uh, Fox affiliate, calling the producer up yourself, finding out who the producers are for your local station, and finding out what you know if they're working on any stories. Let them know that you're available to be quoted if they ha- if you ha- if they have some kind of um, segment on, let's say, finance. If you're a financial expert, or um, you know, it doesn't even have to be on point. It can be indirectly related as well. So if they're talking about you know how to teach your children how to save money, that could be a segment that's appropriate for somebody who's a financial expert. Totally, so yeah. So on point. But those are those are ways to kind of those are the very first ways if you have no experience, those are the ways to go. Mhm. So what would you recommend people say to the local media when they're contacting them? Do you recommend that they actually have a media pitch? 
or go ahead and just say, look, I'm available for XYZ, I'm available last minute, here's my area of expertise, or do you recommend both? I recommend both. I mean, the first thing okay. to do is really to find out who the producers are. So there are two different levels here. There's, you know, there's a kind of local, and then there's more of like the national, nationally syndicated level. That's a whole other level. Not that it's inaccessible, but it's a whole other level. Mm -hmm. There are often agents and managers that are involved in that, but not always. Um, and there's mm -hmm. always the narrow cast, that cable market that you can also get into. And there's the reality market. There are there are a ton of different angles. Um, mm -hmm. Just for example, let's say you've had some, uh, let's say you're a gardening expert and you've had, or nature expert, and you've had some local experience, not much, let's say you've done two or three segments on local affiliates around the country or even in your own um, state or, or area, and you wanted to pitch someone, again, from Good Morning America. How do you go about doing that? The best thing to do is to call up the show, and there's an assistant there, and they take your call and Find out from them who the gardening or nature or wildlife producer is, because they all have one. The way, you know, some people might not know this, but the way some those um, larger shows are, most of them are structured, is there's a, there are a bevy of producers, and all of those producers mm -hmm. have multiple specialties. So one mm -hmm. producer, like when I was producing for CBS, my specialties were uh, parenting, etiquette, beauty, and I, I can't remember what else, but it, those were three of the five areas of expertise that I was given. So that's where I would have to generate my show ideas from. And when pitches came in with, the, with those experts or books came in with authors about specialties of that nature, they came to me. So the best mm -hmm. thing to do is not to send randomly to a show, oh, here, the two, here's all my information. I'm a, a chef or a cook or a whatever, and I'm looking to get on your show. That's not going to work. The best thing mm -hmm. to do, it might work, but a better, more targeted way to do it is to call the show and ask who their cooking expert is, I mean cooking producer is, get that person's name, send them a packet or messenger over a packet, or ask for the formula for their email and send them a link. I would do both personally. Some people are so sending a physical packet via snail mail as well as email. Definitely, and say wow. I would I I would because some people are partial to partial to physical items. Mm -hmm. I, for example, am. I for I will go through every. I don't know if it's rooted in my childhood or what it is, but I will not throw a piece of mail away. You know what? It actually is now that I say that rooted in my childhood. I once almost threw away a, a silly dollar bill when I was like 12 years old, and something was addressed to me. So I, that's where it comes from, but I always open my mail. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know that I'll keep the mail, but I always open the mail. I don't right. do not always open emails. I'm True. quick to delete 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 delete. Now, mm -hmm. there are certain people that will their mail will pile up, you know, till the third Tuesday in December, and they won't <laughs> touch it, but yet they'll go through every single one of their emails. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's different. That's why I recommend doing both and say that you'll, in, I, in both, say that you'll follow up, you know, and that you're, what you're looking for. And I would include, if you have it, a pitch. Do you mm -hmm. want me to go into detail about what that should include? Please, if you could. I think people will appreciate that because I think there's certain techniques in doing a pitch. And also what I've learned is when you're sending the pitch via email, you've got to come up with a really snazzy email subject line. Definitely, or like I said, delete, delete, delete. Producers are inundated 
inundated with, as most people are, but especially producers. They're hit from all sides. They're being pitched day and night. And so um, they're very quick to delete if they don't know that you were referred by somebody they know or if it doesn't catch their attention, like if it's not their specialty, if you're talking about finance and they're a you know, cooking producer, they could care less, boom, delete. They don't really mm-hmm. forward stuff. It takes too much time. So, I mean, some do, obviously, but a lot of people don't. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, as far as um, a pitch, so obviously there's a difference between a verbal pitch and a written pitch, and I'm just going to really go through the broad strokes of what it really should include. But the, and as far as materials go, you definitely want to include in there a bio so they can see that you're credible. And you want to include, if you have it, a little sizzle reel, which should be no longer than two minutes in length, which mm-hmm. kind of highlights of who you are and the essence of you, and that you've had some experience on camera, if you've had, so that they can show that, the producer can show that to their supervising producer, who can show that to their executive producer to get the, the sign-off that you're okay to be on mm-hmm. TV. Um, as far as the other materials go, obviously contact information, obviously um, what your product is and how it, it, so here's the essence of what you really need to convey to, this, to these producers is how are you unique? Why mm-hmm. are you different? What is your unique selling point? It all goes back to that business plan that you were killing yourself writing over and thought it was so dumb because you're not going to show it to anybody because you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it really goes back to what differentiates you from every other person who is in your arena. And if you don't dominate your arena – then create your own space. That's what mm. I mean. Very beautiful. It, essentially, it's the same concept, but it's it's a way of conveying to a producer that I am valuable. You need me. Mm-hmm. You need content. You need me, and you're going to look good, Mr. or Miss Producer, mm-hmm. by putting me on your show because I have something valuable to add. Now, that value, in addition to what you know and conveying that and how it's different, also needs to be current and relevant. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? I mean, you really have to think about how it relates to what is going on around us. From a lifestyle perspective, from a news perspective, how does it relate to whatever is going on in the world today? And how can I help solve a problem? Mm-hmm. Nobody, no producer is going to put you on television to help you make money. Totally. What happen? I'm not interested in putting right? Don't you agree, Rebecca? Absolutely. I've heard it nope. over and over again. That's right. Nobody is interested in your financial well-being. We're just, right. nobody, they want to know what not. the value is they're going to be bringing to their audience. That's right. What takeaway are they going to go, wow, that's so cool. I learned that on the Today Show. Oh, that's so cool. I learned that on The Chew. You know, that's what, they're, that's what they're looking for. Now, by the sheer nature of you providing something that makes somebody raise their eyebrows, will bring your business more money and more attention. And will get you more media attention, bigger, when I say a higher platform media attention, and affect your bottom line because people trust you now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, the no like, and trust factor is huge. I mean, really accelerating that. That's why I believe the in-person is so much more powerful and impactful. Even though social media is brilliant, it has its place, it's phenomenal, I really think yeah. that in-person is what makes a huge difference for people. It really does because I always say that if 
I can't connect with you as a producer. I always meet people I put on television. I can if they're local. Because if, and, and those are the people I usually use regularly. And the reason is because if I connect with you, if you're interesting to me, I know you're going to be interesting to other people. I'm not an anomaly. I'm your viewer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, I, if you if you sell me just on who you are, and if I get you, I know other people will get you. If I'm intrigued by you, I'm hanging on your words, then I know other people will too. I trust my own gut in you know quote unquote casting people. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. So then once they send out these pitches and you know send out perhaps a packet or the two minute reel. What is the next step or how do they – and here's another quick question, too, to add sure. on to that. I did hear this, and this is kind of an interesting thing. Don't pitch to two local media outlets at the same time the same topic. That's a very good point. I'm glad – yes, I do definitely agree with that because they might both respond at the same time, and they both don't want to run the same story at the same time. And you know what? They're going to find out about one another, and you'll never be booked again. Right. To one, the heart. The one way to eliminate yourself from the marketplace. It really is. Wait until you get an, you know, an answer on that pitch, or you know, say, I, you know, I'd love to give you an exclusive on this, um, on this pitch for a certain amount of time. I hope you, you know, I hope you respond, and then after that, you can't kind of be held accountable for it. Uh, it also mm-hmm. works, you know, in same thing. Depending on what level you're on, also if you're doing that whole nationally syndicated circuit, uh, same thing. They don't mm-hmm. want to use the same people, and if they do, they want to be first. Nobody wants to be mm-hmm. second. And don't mm-hmm. don't devalue your don't devalue yourself enough to think that more than one won't won't respond. Mm-hmm. They may absolutely now. Yeah, they may. They may. And you definitely want. I mean, you 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 can put yourself out there more than one place, but if you're pitching specific ideas to specific networks, I would keep it exclusive and organic for a certain amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it truly is all about building relationships with those producers at the different stations as well. Completely. I mean, we are normal, everyday people, and we have mm-hmm. people to go home to. And if you can make my job easier, that doesn't mean I'm trying to take any cut any corners for, for quality or value, but if you make my job easier... I am going to use you over and over again. Why? Because I want to go home to my kid at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stay Makes and have to do all the research mm-hmm. myself. Exactly. The more information you give me up front, the more, you know, I always suggest to people that they write their own six-minute segment when they mm-hmm. send in an idea. Because this way, it's properly fleshed out, and all it needs is tweaking by the producer, and there you go. You barely mm-hmm. have any work as a producer to do to submit that idea. Now, maybe it'll get turned down, but guess what? It doesn't hurt to try, and the work's already done. Yes, absolutely. So I want to just give a, a quick warning to everyone or heads up on the call. If you have any questions, please get yourself in the queue by pressing star 2 to unmute yourself, or pardon me, star 2 to put your hand up, and then we'll get you in the queue for the question and answer section. And if you're on the webcast, you would just go ahead and type your question right into the question and answer box on there. And also just want to give out Natalie's website again. It's Natalie Mashal at N-A-T-A-L-I-E dot M-A-S-H-A-A-L dot com. And, um, and then I have a pretty uh, interesting question here for you, too. 
What would be the most important thing that you learned from being involved with the Oprah Show? Hands down, I would say the most important thing I learned is integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, it's not, it's, there's no compromising on integrity when you work with Oprah. She doesn't care about the ratings. She doesn't. She she really her ultimate goal is helping people and changing people's lives and and li- having them live a better life for themselves. And it's been that way for years, and mm-hmm. for her as a mission. And she taught me that it doesn't have to run. In, in other words, she'd rather not run a segment if it's not meeting her standards then run it because we need something or nothing subpar in other words nothing mm-hmm. is subpar so i learned i learned that i also learned really the quality of information and the experts that i use that it's everything we used to call mm-hmm. it the o factor when i worked there and that was mm-hmm. you keep looking you keep looking you keep looking until you find it and when it's it it's not even describable you'll know what expert, which expert will resonate with your viewer when you see it, when you feel it, when you're intrigued by that person, when they, all the qualities come together. And so I'm very, very uh, picky about the experts that I either put on television or even, even the people that I consult with. Because mm-hmm, I, only, I, I really do. I only consult with those who I really believe can make it. And if you mm-hmm. don't think about, you know, it's not about the bottom line and making the money. You know, everybody's going to make money if you're all successful. There's no sense mm-hmm. in taking people's money when you don't believe in it because then you can't sell it. Same idea. Same idea with Oprah. Mm-hmm. She's doing the same thing. No reason for her to take something, you know, a topic that she doesn't feel uh, resonates with her and sell it to America because they're not going to buy it either. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I say all the time to my clients, your your commitment to your success has to be greater to greater than mine or equal to mine, and mine is pretty high. Right, right. Step up. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. go. Absolutely. So can you talk to us a little bit about surrounding yourself, this concept of surrounding yourself with successful people? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's any industry. It's really you deciding who do you want to play ball with. Mm. You know, when I first started, and my first job was at the Oprah show, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do at the time. That was my very first producing job was at the Oprah show. And so I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. And what I did was I was banging my head against the wall because I knew I sort of wanted to be in entertainment, but I wasn't sure. And then what I did was, I asked, I changed the question. I made the question, who do I want to be my mentor? Mm-hmm. And when I changed the question and the answer was Oprah, I found my answer. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I asked everyone I knew, do you have any connection to the Oprah show? Do you know anybody who worked for her? Do you know anybody who knows her who knows her? And mm-hmm. eventually I got, an, you know, I got an interview and I got the job. But, and, mm. and that's all about focus and, you know, and all that, that's a whole nother hour conversation, but definitely <laughs> right but but really, again, the question was, who do I want to surround myself with? Who do I want to play ball with? That's mm-hmm. who I valued myself to want to learn from and be around, and so I put myself there, and it worked 
And I think everybody can do that. Everybody has the power to do that. And they say, oh, I can't snap my fingers and, you know, I can't call Donald Trump. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. Did you try? Mm-hmm. You know, who, and, and, is, and is Donald Trump really the guy? Like, who is mm-hmm. really the person that you want to surround yourself with or learn from? And who do you want to collaborate with? What kind of a collaboration would best serve you, serve your business, would make you happy, would make you want to go to work every day? What kind of synergetic partnerships, you know, would, would help? And, and I don't think people really get enough time to think about these things. Right, and really be on going. purpose. Mm-hmm. That's right. You don't get enough time to really sit and think about who you would like to approach or target. I think that's huge. Who you surround yourself with is huge. Yeah, I think that's probably a huge golden nugget because that can really open the different doors to the media. I know when I started my journey in entrepreneurship just a little under three years ago that Mm – I I felt really lonely. I knew the kind of people I wanted to hang around. It was kind of shifting from a, a different lifestyle and a different approach to doing things and just really put it out there intentionally that I wanted to surround myself with people who inspired me, people who are up to great big things in the world, and also taking the the time and the financial aspect of things to invest in myself, literally valuing myself at a deeper level and continuing to do so. And the doors that have opened, the connections that have been made and continue to be made and the beautiful miracles that continue to come to me as a result of being on purpose, setting an intention and knowing who I want to surround myself with is truly amazing. And I love your story of Because my next question was going to be, well, how do you make that happen? And guys, I mean, seriously, if Natalie can get get uh, near Oprah after saying, I want Oprah to be my mentor, I mean, this is how she did it. You know, start when they talk about the sixth degree of separation. Start with the people that you know and start asking questions and start being strategic and start being on purpose, and you will find that amazing miracles are really right in front of your eyes. Agreed. Agreed. And you, you brought up a very good point, Rebecca. And that's, you know, if you were starting any business, let's say you were buying into a franchise, you would be going into that purchase with knowing, I am committing a lot of time, I am committing a lot of energy, and I am committing a lot of money to this. I am dedicating myself to this. It should be the same attitude when you're putting yourself out there, and that's your business. You should put your time behind it, you should put your energy behind it, and you should put your money behind it. Because you have to believe in yourself first for other people to even know about you or believe in you. And so, you know, really those are the people that are the most successful that say, I'm worthy of investing in myself in those different ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really huge thing. I think there's actually a very big disconnect even still when, you know, say 20 years ago, they're, they're the brick and mortar kind of thing People don't think twice, they don't bat an eye to drop 50 to 100 grand getting a business loan and building their business. They know it takes money to make money and that it's going to make maybe take three to five years to get the business off the ground. And I think with people who think they can work out of a home office and that's great, saving a lot of money, and you really can save a lot of money being an entrepreneur, but you have to be prepared in this quote-unquote virtual world where you have the luxury to be working out of your house and saving thousands of dollars on office base every month. You have got to be willing, just like the brick-and-mortar person, to say, I know that it takes money to make money. I'm committed and invested in myself at this level, and I will go get a personal loan or 
perhaps charge things on a credit card, which in my opinion is good debt to invest in something that's going to grow. And if you're not invested in yourself in that way, then maybe you shouldn't be doing your business. Perhaps it's just a hobby. And that's okay too, but you've got to get clear about that. You do have to get clear because, you know, people, the media especially, they want to play with the, the big boys. They want to play with the pe- When I say that, I mean, obviously, <laughs> talking to all women, I, I mean that, not all women, but that's so why I mean, I mean that you want to play with the people who mean business. And if you don't show people Absolutely. you mean business, then you can't blame them for not getting you on board because you're not putting yourself on board. So I think that's the biggest lesson is really the commitment. You know, let's put it this way. Let's say you, somebody wanted to lose 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not going to lose 50 pounds without putting, you know, the time into doing it, which we all know, the energy mm-hmm. into controlling what you eat, and the money behind either having a trainer or going to the gym or joining a gym or, you know, some form, you know, investing in, you know, a, one of those walk things. How many paces am I taking? So, you know, some gym clothes yeah. like that Pedometer, kind of thing. Yeah. That's right. There's there's an investment of all sorts in anything, any goal you want. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I think that's very important because it actually makes one step up to the plate when, you've, when one has committed. Absolutely. And, and I, the I results absolutely. are beautiful. The results are usually terrific. When, when you commit, you usually get what you want. You do, and you continue to leverage that. I mean, that's, I, I've, you know, a lot of people who are on the call know that I literally started from nothing. I mean, I had barely enough money to even invest in my first website and at this level of success and financial abundance it's just continuing to take those small consistent steps and build on and leverage the success that you are creating and again that is a game changer and it's also someone you know I do consider myself someone who is serious about business I'm serious about making a lot of money I'm serious about making a big impact and that is the kind of person as you're saying that the media is going to be invested in. And again, in the same way that I was saying before, I say to my clients, you need to be as invested in your success as I am, and mine is pretty great. The same goes for the media. If you're not, you know, if you have one toe in the water and one foot on the land, they're not, they're going to sense that. Energetically, people can pick up that kind of stuff. And so if you're not all in your business and you're wanting to get media coverage, I would imagine that they would pick up on that. They would. They will. I mean, mm-hmm. they will, as anybody would, as a buyer would. They're picking mm-hmm. up on it because they're thinking of their their viewers. They're thinking mm-hmm. of their – that's that's all the producers think about is how the viewers will respond to this person. Yeah, so true. They, yeah, and so if they're getting this negative vibe and they can't even put their – you know, it's a noncommittal kind of vibe, then that's what the viewer's going to get. They're not going to put you on. Okay, Awesome. So, guys, we're kind of getting to the top of the hour here. If you're on the phone, press star 2 to raise your hand. We'll get you in the queue. And we do have a question coming in via the webcast, so we'll go ahead and answer that. And for the rest of you on the webcast, please type your question in there. Natalie absolutely loves to answer questions just like myself. And so for our first question, we have this is coming from Tracy, I believe, in New York. And she says, what does Natalie think her most important quality or characteristic that made Oprah decide to hire her. Great interview, by the way. Thank you, and you are so welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, the first thing is I will tell you that I didn't meet Oprah right out of the gate. My very first interview, usually if if, – I went through three interviews to get the job, and usually if you get past the second one, 
she's most likely going to hire you because that means the people that she trusts have, mm. you know, signed off on you. And so my very first interview was, number one, with, with a gentleman named Tim Bennett, wonderful guy. He came over from ABC in New York and was hired by the Oprah Show the same summer that I got there. And mm. I was recommended by someone also at an ABC affiliate, WLS, in Chicago, and who who, uh, who she had done business with and said, oh, you know, I know somebody. I was almost out of college then, and I got hooked up with Tim. And so I went in there. He knew that I was connected to somebody that he thought very highly of. So that's huge. And being able to be referred or recommended obviously is the best way to get in anywhere because you're already starting ahead of everybody else in the pile. So once you have that, you still have to get the job yourself even though you got the interview. The next level was when Tim and I had a conversation, I knew that my experience was not what the other people's experiences that he was interviewing. So in other words, I, I, was, I had an entry-level position when I started there. And he, I think besides myself, every other person had a graduate degree, an MBA, or not an MBA, um, a grad degree from you know, very prestigious um, universities in journalism. I did not. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that was my weakness. And we spoke mm. about that. He didn't ask me directly, but I, I, didn't, I didn't bring it up, but I definitely gave him the impression of why he should hire me and why I'm different than somebody who has, you know, all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then we started talking personally on a personal level, again, or authentically and organically. You know, he was telling me about his life and his kids, and I was telling him how I'd just gotten married, and we, were, we just, you know, we hit it off. And it was more about that, and he, I, I described to him, I think once you speak to somebody who's at a level which you can communicate and they get life, they get it, that's really what Oprah is looking for in her producers, people who get it, who don't need to, you know, that can read between the lines, who understand things. And so, you know, then he passed me off to Diane Hudson. Diane Hudson at the time was the executive producer, and I had an interview with her, and that was fast and furious. And I think, you know, like any other place you, you interview with, when, you know, Oprah's concept resonated with me, and so I put it, I made myself vulnerable in saying, I believe in this, and I put it out mm. there. I believe in this. I believe in this woman. I'm ready to let you know. I'm ready to do this, and people are receptive to that if if they feel the love back. So that's really mm -hmm. how I got the job. That's how I got the job. I really should. We didn't deserve the job on paper, but let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. I worked my butt off. I worked my butt off to make sure that there was no debating that I deserved the job once I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that vulnerability piece is really critical, and I think I personally believe that we're really coming into a time in the way that business is done currently where the transparency and the vulnerability is being called for, and vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity and innovation and connection. Absolutely. It makes you human. It makes you relatable. It makes you connect with people, and connections, you know, that that's where the trust is formed. And mm -hmm. You can't have you can't you can't build again your tribe for your business or your service or yourself without that trust without that honest to goodness trust whether you're selling something or being a politician or whatever it is. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I just want to give one last shout out, guys. If you're on the webcast, please feel free to type your question into the question and answer there, and really encourage those of you on the call to get 
this is an opportunity for you to find out what you specifically need to do, walking away from this radio show with specific steps. What do you need to do first? What do you need to do second in order to really get in front of the media? And it is a game changer, 110%. So if you're on the line, you would just press star 2 to raise your hand, and I will see your hand raised, and I will unmute your line. And while oh, we have a hand already, I was going to say while we... While we wait, I have another question, but we'll we'll go to um, Gail in California. So welcome, Gail, to the call. How are you? Hi, Rebecca. Excellent call. I'm really enjoying thank it. You. Um, thank you. To, yes, yes. Um, thank you, Natalie. Thank uh, you. I wanted to go back to the point that you made about write your own six-minute segment and help the producer do their job and you know make their life easier. Would you be putting suggestions in there like, oh, the visual could be this, and then I would talk about this, or or how? I don't want. I wouldn't want to be presumptuous and tell them how sure. to do their job, but I don't. Sure. Could you expand a little bit more on that thought? Sure. If if you have the means to do it, I would personally hire a producer that has some experience with this. Um, shouldn't cost you all that much money. And what you would do with the producer is tell them, you know, these are the types of segments. Here are my six or seven show ideas, and I'd like to take one or two of them and develop them into six-minute segments and put them in my um, my packet, my press kit. And um, it's not really about being presumptuous, Gail. It's really about um, showing them a sample. It's almost like a writing sample of how it would go down. Here are the questions that would be asked, and here is the relevant information that I can provide as an answer. And is it? I would only suggest you do that if it's done professionally. I wouldn't do it yourself because you don't really know what it looks like. But what you can do is you can come up with the topics. If you don't have the means by which to, you know, or you don't know somebody who um, who can do a segment like that for you, then you definitely should give the show idea topics. And they'll expand a little bit on it, but not a lot. They don't have a lot of time to, you know, read. They're, they're really just glancing over everything. So get right to it. Don't write, a, you know, two pages about something. But I, if you include that segment in there, it's, it's a very impressive piece and kind of separates you from everybody else and sure. um, really speaks in their language because that's what they understand. Oh, here's a segment. Let me read down the segment. This is how it would go down. Yes, actually, this is a good segment. You did the work for me, and I understand you. I understand where you're going with this, and I can submit that, or I'll call you to get more information. Okay, that, that's very good. Um, are you going to expand a little bit more on some of the professional services that you offer? Like, sure. Would that be something that you do? I do do that. I do. I, I do consulting. Um, I have two different arms of consulting. My first arm and specialty is developing experts. And so, you know, on any level, because really some people are entering where they've had no experience, some have had some local experience, some have had national experience, and are looking to either expand that or become regulars on a television show. Television show. So I really take somebody and um, develop them and give them, you know, help them develop the credentials and the, uh, the materials that they need to set all that up for success uh, in you know, whatever level they're looking for. And then the other arm that I do is I also um, have developed non-scripted television, which is reality, game, and daytime stuff for 10 years. I had my own production and development company. So I do a lot of pitching um, to I have relationships with all networks, and I take people's reality shows, which sometimes come from their businesses, because a lot of times people develop reality shows. I'm in the middle of one right now for a gentleman who um, – 
took his business and realized that it hadn't been done yet on TV and it was a little slice of life and different and interesting. And we went ahead and we pitched that to a larger production company um, that can go ahead and pitch that to the networks. And I, you know, I can also pitch that to the networks. But, you know, what I did for him was I developed uh, one sheet and a treatment. Uh, developed the verbal pitch. We just on Sunday shot a sizzle reel for that, what we call a sales reel, to be able to show that to the network to buy it. And um, those are services that are paid for. And then, if you know, once the once it's the actual pitching itself is done for free, if I take you on board, because I really only take people on board that I wouldn't. This way, there's no conflict of interest for me. I'm actually only taking people on board that I would pitch to the people that I know, so that the people that I know know that that there is quality coming their way. Right, right, because of your relationship with them. Sure. Yes, because my relationship. I wouldn't want them to ever think I'm just taking people's money and, you know, coaching them, and I don't I don't really feel like they're, they're at the level that, you know, I can help them. But here, let me waste your time and do it anyway. I really only take people <laughs> on board. Really, you know, but they're not yeah, getting any yeah. compensated for it. I just I only take people on board that I really feel like I, I can um, use my contacts properly with. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. Thanks for the question, Gail. Mm-hmm. Beautiful questions, Gail. I will mute your line for your privacy. Fabulous. Well, guys, I am so honored to be here again this week with you, and I am so grateful to you, Natalie, for your brilliant information, your expertise, and just sharing openly from the heart. And it was just such a pleasure to be with you, and, and the questions were Great questions asked by the audience and just wonderful answers and great practical, tactical tips, which is what we like to give to our audience here. So thank you so much for being thank on you. today and just appreciate you. Yes, you're thank very you, welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. It was terrific. Awesome. So happy. So everyone, I just want to give you a quick heads up for next week. We, I know we're just going to be doing one guest per uh, month, but this month is a little extra special for you. So next month we actually have Allison Marks coming on. She has a six-figure home office, and she's going to be telling you how to get your information product done. So stay tuned for the details for that coming in next week. And I wish you all a fabulous rest of the day, and I look forward to connecting with you next Tuesday at 2. 